Welcome to the Movement Made Better podcast, powered by Stick Mobility. We are your hosts, Dennis Dunphy and Neil Valera. We got Coach Ray with us today. So we just got back from Vegas, IDA. It was a blast, huh? It was, it was a good a time. time, man. First convention back since COVID. Yeah. It's been, what, since 2019? Yeah, 2019 was the last. That's a long time. It's a long time. It is. It is. And we, we saw the numbers, actually. We saw the still the, the effect of it. Mm-hmm. The expo was probably the smallest I've seen Yeah, at IDA. It was still good, though. Attendance was, was still, still good. Traffic. Yeah. So it was good to see that we're getting back out of the virtual. Expos and trade shows are great, but kind of doing them vir- virtually probably leaves a lot to be desired, I would assume. Yeah, it doesn't work. Well, specifically for us, it doesn't work very well because we need people to get a feel of what's going on with the stick and what we do. Right. It's not like we're giving them empirical data studies mm-hmm. where you can talk to somebody, you know, on cameras. Okay, well, here's your graphic. I'm going to share my screen with you. You got information. So just absorb it, learn it, put it into your program or whatever. For us, it's we need that it's, kinesthetic it's learning, right? It's hands-on. And so... Uh, it was great to get sessions. Sessions were packed. So thank you, everyone, if you're listening, who came to the uh, sessions. If you were IDA, thank you very much for that. That was awesome. Uh, it was great to have filled classroom. So it was fantastic. And uh, I think the response was pretty good. Yeah. Feedback so. seemed pretty good. So we're definitely looking forward to uh, next year's IDA World down in Southern California. So we'll be there for that one. We'll um, Ray over there, too. Yeah, we're going to get Ray there. So next year, if you do want to see Ray... Uh, we're going to drag him kicking and screaming down to Southern <laughs> California with us. So that way you can see him in person and see that a, you can be, you can have muscles and still be mobile, folks. And despite this camera angle. He's he's, he's a lot bigger than us. He's a lot bigger than us. We put him back there for angles. You know what? Oh, well, here's a weird thing. We switch spots, man. We look tiny. We look like Colossus. We look <laughs> Did you? Okay. I was this year's old minus a few days when I learned that when you take a picture, you're supposed to hold the camera down here. Huh? What? Right? You hold the camera here, not up here. Huh? Yeah. Tell me about it. So Carmen Poyo, I met her. She's from Ontario. She works with Mark Lieber and she's got her own facility up there. Great person. We finally met in person for the first time. We social media emails, all sorts of stuff. But we took a photo together and the gentleman with her, he had the camera down here. And I was like, wait, what's going on? And he's like, no, this is where you hold the camera when you take a photo. It makes you look taller. Yeah. I was like, camera tricks, no man. shit. I was like, oh. So he's like, no, hold the camera here. Well, it's like when uh, Debbie was telling us a story about when, you know, she ran into Nick Cage, Nicholas Cage. Yes. Yeah. He was like 5'7 or 5'8. Yeah. Get the... But the way they hold the cameras, yeah. right? No way. Yeah. The I, way I they... it was like 6'1", maybe. Right? Like, they always make them look taller. Hella right? tall. Right? Well, that's the same way we know Tom Cruise is short, right? right? But the way they shoot it, they shoot it so he looks taller, right? Yeah. But so I was right when he was taking the photo, I was like, and he was telling me about why they do it i was like oh hollywood it's little tricks of the trade and when you're used to using cameras and stuff which i'm not used to Mm -hmm. uh, i know the face says cameras but you know (laughs) (laughs) but that type of i was just all like no shit and so it was interesting when he showed me the photo i was like i kind of look tall (laughs) i was like well holy shit this is my new secret uh, new secret for taking photos yeah. By, by your ankles. Yeah. <laughs> so now when people see me, they're going to be like, you are ridiculously short. I thought you were like six foot tall. I know. So yeah, but yeah, I thought That's that was crazy. pretty That's wild. Yeah. I didn't know that. So just a little shit, not, not even industry stuff right there. That's just that little thing that I learned this past week. I was like, I'm going to use the, sh- the hell out of that. Oh, hell yeah. Because that has a ton of carryover. I was like, all right, great. So, yeah, you set the camera down. So, I guess even when you're shooting in video, have it more from a lower standpoint because we're used to having the tripod up high. Yeah. But, yeah, you bring the tripod down and have it more shoot more up and it'll make you look taller. And I was like, oh, well, fantastic. Well, now I'm going to have to start making sure I 
set my tripod down a little bit lower. Yeah. I'm just going to set it way up high, man. Make it look tiny? Yeah, people meet me in person. like, damn, you're way taller than me. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You do that, do the reverse, yeah. <laughs> so we went and saw Mad Apple, the newest show in Vegas, the Cirque du Soleil show. What were your impressions on that? It was phenomenal. It was so entertaining because it was, it was a mixture of comedy, great music, and obviously feats of strength, feats of movement that... You know, there's very few people in the world that can do that stuff. And yeah. it was a pleasure to meet Danilla, mm-hmm. you know, and her act is, is one of a kind because, I mean, she's hanging by her hair. Yeah. Doing tricks. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did. I yeah. see that picture. I love watching acrobats or quote, quote, unquote, circus performers because a lot of what they do, when you really think about what we teach as an industry, not us specifically, but as an industry, a lot of what you see with Cirque du Soleil performers or circus performers really does contradict some of the information or a good amount of the content that our industry really spews out as law in many respects, right? Or very dogmatic. And I think that's what I really appreciate about being able to watch performers of of that nature. I remember watching the Cirque du Soleil show like years ago mm-hmm. when we went to Vegas. And I was actually like almost star studded. Like it was kind of weird because like it's, you don't see it often where people are like mobile. They have such a strong structure. It's actually really fascinating to mm-hmm. think about how much training it requires to get there. But the fact that it can just do those feats of strength that people don't really think are necessarily feats of strength. Well, they're not just muscular; like they no. they look different. Yes, right. It's you're like it's almost like the superhero build. Yeah, like yeah. The handstand guy we saw. Oh, the, so the guy that they had doing handstands, he took his shirt off. Okay, and so and so and literally he took his shirt off. And pretty much every woman in the audience went, oh. like the whole room, like all oxygen got sucked out of the room at once, right? And Neil leans over to me and goes, oh, that's my body double. <laughs> I just start cracking up. I'm just laughing my ass off. I'm like, well, well played, sir. Well placed. But yeah, his physique was just boom. Yeah, it didn't look real. Yeah, it didn't it look like an action figure physique. It yeah, did. Right? Yeah. Like just V-shaped tapered waist i mean my god talk about definition and just shredded but and doing handstands Mm -hmm. just body weight calisthenics Mm -hmm. and how he makes it look so easy Mm -hmm. but his lower appendage it was interesting we were talking because his legs were skinny not that they weren't muscular probably but they were just skinny because we're talking about you wouldn't want thick legs if you're a handstand on right right you can't have it no yeah, you'd have way too much count, too much balance, uh, too much weight down low because once you're up in that upper in that handstand position, he's moving his legs around like arms in essence. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't want the heavier, uh, mm-hmm. more mass up uh, down bottom. Well, and then you had the the performance where there the guy was basically doing kettlebell swings with with the partner. partner, female partner, right? Yeah, and he was built like you, but probably even even bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. yeah I'd imagine he was like a massive person, huge. Huge. And you think about how he's grabbing and swinging it, it looked like a kettlebell swing, except he has to go into a deep, deep spinal like flexion. Deep. Oh. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's holding her. He's not holding this nice kettlebell handle. He's either grabbing her wrists and arms mm-hmm. or by the ankles. But he has to catch her in mid-flip. Oh. And it was just, you know, like, damn, it's insane. Right? But think about it. So if we, if we preach, okay, f- neutral spine, go into the hinge nicely but watching that contradicts a little you know and yes we're teaching that for a specific reason we want clean form i mean we're dealing mostly with general population that we're trying to transition into this world right or use this tool effectively and safely and yes he's got a a superior skill set so to speak for sure but to see what he does you're like shit the spinal flexion mm-hmm. and think about how much load he's just taken. And he's got to stop. He's got to catch her mass and then her downward momentum coming down. And then he's got to go with it, but then stop it. And then boom, come out of the hole and bring her out of there. I mean, that's, that's impressive shit. That's impressive as hell. Oh, like it is. That level, of like a, that level of strength is so hard to come by. But it's like you said, it's, it's a skill. It's a, it's a skill. very, very specific skill. Does everybody need it? No, but at the same time, you should be able to handle load in a little bit of a flexed or a little bit of an extended position and be able to hold strong. It's just that they train it in a much more 
Extreme. Yeah, extreme, 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 extreme way extreme, for lack of a better term. Yeah. The elite of the elite. Yes, yeah. his legs were yoked though. Mm-hmm. Like it, like his legs were thick. Oh yeah, yeah it wasn't just legs. upper body. <laughs> but dude, his legs were thick. Yeah, damn, those some legs right there. Because you got to have that. I mean, yeah, dealing with sure. that, like those legs got to be driving. Well, and the other couple that were there, so there were two couples mm-hmm. out there. So it was him and her up top, and then they had another couple down bottom that were built differently. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can see the difference in structure, the way they're built. Uh, much leaner, a little bit taller. Yeah, they were doing more of the aerials. They were doing the aerials. Mm-hmm. And so what was interesting was that at the one point, they were single arm. Mm-hmm rotating around each other but you think about even with putting your hand through a loop and holding that yeah think about how much uh, velocity and momentum yeah. mm-hmm. that your shoulder has to be able to well because you can't with. just hang passively in no you have to load your muscles right? and then they're rotating around that and you just watch that you're just all like huh so I think it's different for us and from what we do. I mean, I think we view that stuff in a slightly different perspective than the average yeah. person that's there, right? The average yes. person is probably is just as impressed. Yeah. But do you think do you think we're just impressed a little bit more than them? I think so because we're looking mm-hmm. at like, wow, this is what's actually happening in the body for them to do this, mm-hmm. right? And they're just like, that's insane. Like I could never even think about doing. Yes. Body. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And yeah, we're looking at it like maybe we could try. You know, like I'd love to. How do you even train to have that ability? Yeah, that's like the very first question mm-hmm. that comes to mind. It's like, how? Where do you start at to get to that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, how far does your training have to go to get to that level? It's kind of overwhelming when you're looking at it from that perspective. Yeah. It's like, damn, that's a lot. And it's not. It's it's a lifestyle. It's not even training, man. That's yeah. Your, that is your life. Yeah. <laughs> it was interesting because like when Danila came out, I think she was like the third or fourth act, mm-hmm. and so. We knew about her because, mm-hmm. you know, we, we follow her. But pretty much a lot of the other people there probably had never seen her. It was first time, yeah. right? And so when she comes out, and she's about 5'2". She's probably, just yeah. right, right about 5'2". Probably weighs about one, 100, 110, right about yeah, that figure or whatever. Very she's very muscular. Mm-hmm. And here she attaches to, the, to a bun on her hair, on her head. And then mm, off the ground she goes. And... So then right away, people are like, oh, what? And so that's just her just coming off the floor. Then she starts to go into the swinging and the rotating. And what's kind of funny at the show, they have an actor who's playing like a New Yorker. And he's at the beginning, he's like the warm-up guy for the audience when you walk in. So he comes back out after her, her segment. And his thing is like, he said exactly what I think we all ask or we're all thinking the first time you see her do that. And he's like, how the f*** do you come up with that idea? Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and I remember the when Sherry and I first watched her on AGT, mm-hmm. that's the very first thing that popped into my head was, yeah. how the hell do you discover that? Because that's something I know, I've never seen it before. Not me personally. No, me. That's the first time. Yeah. So it's the first of its kind, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when she's rotating, I mean, it's not a slow rotation. I mean, she gets mm-hmm. she gets turning, right? I think the one other, the back bend, when she goes into the full back bend and then she gets lifted up, that's impressive yeah. shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. She gets into a full that's back bend, crazy. her legs, yeah, and she's then whoop, right off the floor. You're that's like, why you see it, you know, why her musculature in her back was so developed, too. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask that. Yeah. It's like, how different was her build? compared to some of the other performers. Yeah, she was muscular. Oh, she was muscular. Yeah. She's very muscular. Yeah. She's been doing it for a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's got 20 plus years of doing what she does. So she's been doing it a long time. I believe she was a gymnast before that. So th- I think the transition yeah. was relatively oh, easy. So, yeah. But phenomenal just to watch her. I think what's interesting too is even something is like we've seen before is juggling, right? Mm-hmm. But the little nuances that they do differently with the guy that was doing the juggling for them, for me, I don't know. I've never seen it, but with the hats. Yeah, that was pretty cool. The fedoras. Like, he was juggling fedoras, and they're going out away from him, and they're coming back toward. Like, I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. So he's juggling, but it's not just straight up. Mm-hmm. Like, you can see that he was throwing them out, and the rotation he was putting on them, they were coming back to him like, almost like a boomerang. That takes some precision, too. Oh, yeah. Precisely what they exactly thrown at the 
the perfect way every right? single time. With the right spin, and he's just off. And then he's just juggling with it. I was like, That's impressive. What? Because I've seen, we've seen the bowling pins and we've seen that stuff. But when they brought the hats, I was like, Oh, interesting. And then he starts, and then, and he's changing angles. So that's why you can see, and like he's throwing them out there, like they're significantly far away from him and they're just coming right back at him. I thought that was, that, that to me, I, I thought, oh cool. shit. I was like, that's pretty cool. But yeah, it was great. It's a great show. And I, like I said, I love watching that stuff because for us, it's, it just, it's that different perspective of saying, yeah, we teach a lot of stuff that maybe really limits people's perspective of what they could be capable of, not necessarily need to be capable of, but what is the potentiality there? What could they possibly do, you know, with the right skill set, with the proper amount of practice, I guess, too. Oh, yeah. You know, of course, we know age is an, is an issue, For too. Sure. I mean, it's not something that you're going to pick up at 40 and excel at, right? Right. I mean, I'm sure there's probably that unique person that could. That's one in a very, very, very few, few, right? Yeah. But I mean, if you're starting at a young enough age and it's, I think for them, well, for them, it's just basically just us walking and talking, right? It's yeah. just second nature to them. I'd imagine all those performers have been doing it since, or doing something that's at least similar since they were kids. For sure. There's, right? there's, yeah. I, I feel like we there's no to. way they haven't. Yeah. You know right? Acrobatics or mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. So it was cool too because she met with us after the show. So that yeah. was cool. That was great. Uh, she spent some time. We did a little meet and greet. So that was good. So that was great to finally meet her in person. So that was cool too. Definitely, if you're in Vegas and you want to see a really good show, it is adult based. So you have to be 16 and over because uh, the language is very New Yorkish, a little rough. <laughs> so just be aware of that. You can't take your 10-year-old kid. They won't let him in. And even it's if they did, it'd be yeah. – well, it's kind of like – well, Billy Elliot was like a Broadway play when I had no idea. And then when Sherry and I went to go see Billy Elliot on Broadway, they're drop they start dropping F-bombs. And I'm like, oh. and I'm like, holy shit. Oh, and there's no warning. <laughs> <laughs> because there were kids in the audience. Like, I'm, like, sitting next to kids. It's a great musical. Yeah. But, like, when we bought tickets, there was no, like, this is, you know, language, mature audience language. Because mm -hmm. I'm telling you, they had, there were 10-year-old kids. There were younger kids. And I looked at Cher. I was like, did you have any idea? Because the movie is, the movie Billy Elliot is vastly different than the musical. I mean, not in that, I should say in that in respect. That yeah. In that regard. Okay. Yeah. Because I'd seen the movie and I was just all like, ooh, this, ooh, this is different. I enjoy I thought it was great. Yeah. But not the, if I was a parent experience. and I brought my 10-year-old kid, I might have been like a little like, whoa, hey, no. Yeah. You know, that might have been a little different, right? Right. So, yeah. But no, that was definitely well worth it. And for me, it was the best Cirque du Soleil show I've seen. Yeah. Same with me. Same with me, man. I've only been to two others. Well, I think the comedy element was great. Mm -hmm. I think that was fantastic. Okay. I mean, the one guy did... Did shadow puppets for God's sakes? Wait, what? I've never like, dude. The fact that somebody's hands can do what his hands were doing, you're like, kind of coordination. Oh, yeah. dude, no. that sounds. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, it sounds legit. Yeah. Oh no, it That's is. Yeah. It is like he comes out, and then one of the questions he asks, he says, "Anybody here like Broadway?" And of course, people are like, "Yeah," and I'm like, "Yeah." He goes, okay, I'm going to do my tribute to the greatest Broadway show ever. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm waiting to see what he says, right? Yeah. What's, what's the greatest Broadway show ever, right? He goes, Lion King. And then this cloth drops down, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, let's see where this is going to go. And then the lights go out. You see the cloth. And all of a sudden, boom, this white circle pops up. And I lean over to Neil and I go, are you? Is he going to do shadow puppets? And sure as shit, he gets in front of the light, the music. He just—it was fantastic. Okay. It was, okay. and you know all the animals. That's was incredible. He's okay. doing a ton of different animals, and you—you you know what each one is. Dude, that's actually impressive. As hell. It was. That's actually impressive. Like he did an ostrich. What? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of nuts too because he's using his head in there. Yeah. Too. So. Afterwards, I'm thinking, I'm like, I wonder what his parents thought when he was like, <laughs> you know, right? a little light on, and he's got his hands over his head, you know, making all these different shapes. Right? <laughs> like, are you kind of worried about your kid? Yeah. yeah. Like, do I need to get counseling? 
or does my son need to get outside a little bit more? Right. Right. But now he's making a job of it. Like, you know, hey, mom, hey, dad, I'm working for Cirque du Soleil. Oh, yeah. What are you doing? Shadow puppets. Uh, okay. But yeah, whatever. But fantastic. But everyone on that show was so multi talented. They were, mm-hmm. everyone was acting, everyone had some kind of comedy. Yeah. And then whatever physical skill they had, too. Okay. It was with the more mature focus on the audience. And really, none of the other Cirque du Soleil shows really, they have, some of them have, because they have clowns and stuff, so they do give you that little comedic relief. But this one was much more comedic in, in many regards. So it was fantastic. Because, yeah, we definitely enjoyed that. And so I know you got coming around, you've got your competition coming up this weekend, actually. Yeah. You get, I'm ready. I'm ready for it. Are you ready yeah. for it? But I'm like, not going to lie. I'm at that point of the process. And I don't know if y'all ever experienced this, but like when you're preparing for something and you've done it for X amount of time, mm-hmm. as you get closer to comp- like to that competition or that event, you're just like, all right, I'm ready to kind of just get in and get it done. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where I'm at currently. But the prep has been going good. But I'm actually pretty, pretty happy with it. So... This is actually the first time I've actually trained for something in like eight years. Okay. It's the first oh, time okay. I've actually oh. dieted in yeah. like five years. And so okay. it's been different. It's been a different process, but I appreciate I appreciate the process because it's kind of put me back in the shoes of what it's like to be on the end of working on specifically just performance. Mm-hmm. And so when I made the program, it actually took me a while. It took me a few hours to do it. Because I had to kind of go through my own mind of like, all right, what are my weaknesses and what do I want to bring up? Mm-hmm. Instead of going to like what the program, like, there's dozens and dozens of programs that anybody can follow online. Yeah. But my problem with that is it's just arbitrary. So oh, good point. Good it's point. based on a general scope, not a specific scope. And so yeah. when I was making my program, that's what I was looking at is like, where are specifically with certain movements or for certain exercises, how much volume do I actually need for that mm-hmm. week? How much volume do I need per session? Mm-hmm. Where are my weak points in my exercises and what are extra or drills or things that I can do to kind of improve it? And so that process took me a minute to kind of get down. Yeah. And I actually took, I stepped away from the program for a day or two, came back and finished. And I was like, okay, now I know what I, I got exactly what I need. So that process was actually different because when I did the last competition, I didn't program for myself. I actually went off of somebody else's program. Okay. Oh, okay. And it was fine. It okay. was fine. It worked. But it, well, first of all, I got hurt after oh. that competition. So oh, I had okay. shoulder impingement on both my shoulders. Oh, shit. Yeah. Damn. And it oh, took damn. me a few months to come back from that because I was benching like four times a week. I wasn't doing nearly enough pulling exercises. Yeah. Uh, I think I was squatting three times a week. And so I was basically burnt out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So by the time competition came, I did okay. But at the same time, like, I f***ed myself up, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so with this prep, I was a lot more conscious of it and being aware of how I'm feeling on a week-to-week basis. Mm-hmm. And so I don't like very rigid programs. Mm-hmm. I'm not a person. Personally, I'm not a fan of that. But I left room. So I kind of did a skeleton program, and I still base that off of how I'm feeling for that day. Yeah. So yeah. instead of being like, all right, I need to be at 85% for three sets of five, it's more like, I need to be 85% for three sets of two to five. Yeah. And my sleep, nutrition, so on and so forth has a lot to do with how I perform that day. Well, and then you're taking into account, like, how many hours am I working a week too? So where do I fit this training in? You know, I know that was it last month or almost, almost two months ago, you stopped your, you just put your membership on pause for climbing. Yes. To really dial in everything. I had to, as much as I love climbing, Mm -hmm. that was the other aspect I didn't like about <laughs> training was that i had to stop doing the fun shit that i like to do oh like yeah. the shenanigans right? yeah 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 you got it you've got yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. climbing yeah. i kept that in for a little while but I had to come back on that at some point too for sure uh-huh. Uh-huh. and so where i appreciated the program it was fun but i had to like really kind of dial those things in uh-huh. and so work i worked around my work schedule uh-huh. and sometimes my you know training sessions were short like upper body days typically is like 45 minutes okay that's oh fine. really yeah because i only i don't do a whole lot in terms of like presses and pulls i do enough to get the stimulus i need and then i'm done yeah mm. and even with my like my deadlift day or my hinge specific day i would deadlift and i would do like two or three exercises so i actually didn't spend two hours working out the time i was quote unquote training was about an hour 15 hour and a half okay but that was including my warm-up and my cool down 
oh, okay. not the actual like physical training part itself. Yeah. So I kind of learned to maximize my time a whole lot more, more than I already usually do yeah. with the training because I wasn't doing anything aimlessly. How many hours would you train per session in your pre- for the previous event? Shit. Two and a half to three. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's a massive difference. Huge difference. And and I think that's where I actually know. I know that's where I got the at the time, I didn't know. <laughs> well, yeah, because you were younger. Well, it's eight, year, eight plus years ago. Yeah. So it's that, I mean, education wise and understanding wise, you're va- you're way ahead of the program now. Yeah, very, very different. So I basically allotted roughly six hours per week, no more than six hours per week in total to training. Hmm. And so I had four, to, and that's it. And my program was also different because I only did four days mandatory. Okay. So there were a lot of weeks I only worked out four days. Oh. oh. Okay. In some weeks, the fifth day was just a little extra bench practice, mm-hmm. and that was it. So the way I programmed was, I looked at it specifically, how can I give myself enough stimulus to kind of work on peaking mm-hmm. without burning out? Yeah. And so I didn't feel at any part of the training I was actually burning out. It just like it just felt like I was doing just enough. So now, if you arbitrarily, when you're looking at other people's programs that they're either selling or they're giving out Mm -hmm. to people that want to do this stuff competitively. Do you think across the board that there's just too much volume? I think sometimes, yes. And I think sometimes there's also not enough. So there's a little bit of mix of both. Oftentimes there is too much volume in the sense of, I'll see sometimes in, in a program, like do six sets of doubles. Like, I don't think that's necessary mm-hmm. at, at any percentage, realistically. Yeah. Your percent, the intensity that you're going at, the reps and sets should match that in the sense of you shouldn't, it shouldn't be a 10 out of 10 by the time I'm your last set, which is another thing I was keeping track of the mm-hmm. entire time too, was how hard was my last set compared to my first set. Okay. And it never jumped any more than a point. Okay. So if my first set was like a seven, or seven and a half, my last set was still at about a seven or seven and a half oh. for most of my exercises. Okay. As opposed to going from like a seven, eight, nine, and actually, et cetera. So it never it never actually kept building, but I stayed very consistent where I was at. The only time I actually found that it was too much was actually specifically around my sleep. <clears throat> I didn't sleep that much, I was still able to hit those reps and sets, but the RPE didn't really jump. Even okay. still. Even okay. still. So I think with a lot of programming, they maybe they don't look at that aspect or they'll have it in, but people don't even know how to keep track of that. Mm-hmm. If you tell somebody like, oh, what's your rate of perceived exertion? They don't really know how to answer that question, nor do they know how to internalize that enough or have enough self-awareness to go, okay, was this actually a seven out of 10 or was this actually more like a nine out of 10? Mm. And so that requires a lot of self-awareness yeah. per set and per week to a degree. Well, I think that it was overwhelming that that's still that thought process of go full board a little yeah. too much, too often, a little bit times. Because instead of understanding what you're really trying to work up to, yes, I think if most a lot of people just kind of bury themselves before they're they should absolutely in that training process. Yeah, and you don't want to peak on week ten. Is that your nervous system, and then it takes you three weeks to recover from that? Yes, and that really comes down to too is people not getting in their ego that's a that's a big one because yeah, like, yeah, yeah, sometimes yeah. you come in you're like all right cool like this is feels easy it's just like i can go up more that's where people get in trouble yeah in my is they they get a little bit too gunshot uh, gun happy or trigger happy and be like all right cool we make another jump i'll make another jump i'll make another jump and then it's like okay well your one workout where maybe that workout you have the ability to make mm-hmm, that jump mm-hmm. you're applying that to every workout now so now you just basically up your entire program mm-hmm. and now your system is trying to find ways to adapt to it and it can't in that shorter period of time yeah it's funny you said that because the ego because carl's new book whiteboard daily the mm-hmm. new book in the back it has on the one page it says leave ego at door yes oh that is such a great freaking acronym that's the best that's best, the best it really is acronym. i was like i like that lead leave ego at the door because that really is i think because in some days in the program like you said you feel really good mm-hmm. but doesn't mean you should boom, boom, boom. Yes. Like stay within the program stay within your structure yes 
I think the other thing too is when you're looking at somebody else's program, do, are they taking into account life? No. Right? Like shit happens. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, okay, you need to consistently stay at these intensities and these loads. Mm-hmm. But you may come, go into the gym and your body is saying something completely different. Right. Yes. But yet, I think too many people are ingrained with saying, no, I need to stay on point. Mm-hmm. And instead of understanding, well, I'm actually being doing worse than I would be doing if I just listened to what my body's saying. Absolutely. And that's where I feel like having the ranges mm-hmm. within a program works better. Mm-hmm. At least it's what I found. Even when I made programs for clients, they do better within a range. And so if it's it's harder to step back if your program calls for 85% at X amount of reps and X amount of sets. But if you give somebody a range, that gives them the ability to go, okay, I'm not really feeling that good today. I'm not really feeling that strong or maybe something's a little off. So I can adjust that percentage based on this range and just work that. So people tend to, I I feel like people tend to do better with that as opposed to having something super duper rigid. Now, granted, there are people who need that rigidity. Absolutely. Yeah, it's very true. Yes, yes. But for the majority, I think it's a little different. You know, I wonder if some of the generic programs too, with the really high volumes um, are made by guys that are doing a lot of PDs. Yes. Because that's a completely different program. Yes. Right? Like, you can't recover like that guy. No. Yeah. It's a great point. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you are doing PEDs, then, yeah, you, you can handle more. Mm-hmm. But if you're not, then, yeah, you need to be able to take that into account, which I, I think the average novice person doesn't take that into account, right? Mm-hmm. They're looking at the author and not really considering what he or she is doing not when, when they're not in the training room, right? What are they doing outside of the training room? And if you are using PEDs, and that's why I like, I like authors that are honest and say, look, I do PEDs. Mm-hmm. This is my gig. This is what I do. You know, like Juji Mufu, he doesn't hide it. Mm-hmm. You know, Juji Mufu's like, Larry yeah. Wills doesn't hide it either. It doesn't, yeah, Larry yeah. Wills. I think these are guys that if you're going to do that, these are the guys that you want to listen to because yes. they're just being honest with you. They're not bullshitting you. They're saying, yeah, we do this shit. Mm-hmm. We look this way. We lift this way because of the stuff, not only the effort we put in yeah. and the that's diet. That's a yeah. large part of it. Yes. But yes, these PEDs are helping us out. Yeah. It's the people that just refuse to admit it for mm-hmm. whatever reason, which is nowadays, folks, it's dumb if you're not admitting. Nobody gives a shit. Yeah. Nobody cares unless it's a violation of the rules. Right. Then, yes, okay, then it's, that's, then it's different. But in in the world of powerlifting and things like that, it's not like people don't know that shit doesn't go on. Right. Even in tested federations, people still use PEDs. <laughs> right. Like it's, 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 they just can't catch the shit. Like, even on... So, <laughs> so with the competition that I'm going to, mm-hmm. for that federation, they only test 10% of lifters. And you're randomly picked. Oh, shit. Okay. So with that... You can have a competition of, there's typically roughly anywhere between 40 yeah. to 70 people in a competition. Yeah. How big it is. Yeah. If you got five people that get tested, what is so it? what? There's yeah. another like 55 people that aren't tested yeah. that could be using performance enhancers. Yeah. And so when I did my competition, I knew that there were people that were doing performance enhancers at the time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, it's fine. Like, I don't really care. That's, yeah. that's your business. Yeah. But in that sense, that's where it's just like, people need to be honest about like, yeah, I'm using this, and this is the results it gets me. This is why I'm able to perform at the level that I'm at, mm-hmm. or at least part of the reason. Yeah, yeah. Because I think when you, if you're, if you're going to be selling programming or giving suggestions or advice on programming, that's got to be upfront. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're doing it, you got to let people know. Look, this is what I do, and my programming is based off of the ability to recover at a much quicker rate than somebody that's not on it yeah absolutely and most people aren't gonna they're not gonna say it though they're not gonna be honest about it no. yeah because is... at, at, at a certain level when you're using all that stuff mm-hmm. you don't have to have great programming no yeah because you can overcome you yeah. can kind of have a halfway decent program and still get some results off of it mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and that's but for the average lifter that's not that's not gonna, that's no, not gonna, gonna cut, cut it. it yeah and some and the other aspect too is some lifters think that they're at a higher level than they really are which is kind of interesting. Oh, yeah? Because they, they instead of being like, okay, I'm probably more like an intermediate, they think they're at an advanced. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh okay, like, okay, gotcha. Well, that's, the, again, the, the protocols for the levels of that you're at as a lifter, they change. And so it's like, if you think that you're an intermediate lifter, but you're really a novice, 
because you've only been lifting for two, two to three years and you work out once or twice a week or three times a week. That's not the, that's not the position you want to put yourself in mm-hmm. because now it's just like you didn't do what was fitting for you at that point in time. Hmm. Interesting. As far as diet wise in the last couple of weeks, what have you been focusing on? The last three or four yeah. weeks. So, <laughs> not eating too much. I I am not gonna lie. I mm, I, I hate tracking food. Yeah. I absolutely yeah. Oh, yeah I yeah, hate yeah. that shit. Yeah, passion. But I have been doing it. So okay. my nutrition is always still protein centric. Yeah, 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 yeah. So typically, I get about three hundred grams of protein a day. So holy shit. I get, so like a basic way I had that. you know so like it's and it's just me just tracking everything so basically like my first meal will be like like fire yogurt with some protein in it okay and then my next meal after that will typically be like chicken or steak and then i'll have another chicken or steak meal some days I would incorporate carbohydrates. Some days I would not, just based on how I'm feeling and what I'm doing the next day. Okay. So my protein intake is always consistent. That's always consistent. Where I had the control was the fat. So my macronutrient makeup was different than what I'm used to based on my intuitive eating. Because I do intuitive eating. And okay. I can maintain my body perfectly fine. I'm in tune. Mm-hmm. But my caloric intake was also slightly lower than I typically so on an average day, I'll have like 32 to 3,300 calories. Okay. Actually, no, it was actually kind of significantly lower, more towards the end. Um, my caloric intake was now at about 2,700. Okay. But my protein is still high. Now I'm just controlling the fats and the carbohydrates a little bit more. So, for example, my protein makes up about roughly 50% of my calories. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. My fats, roughly about 40. Then protein or uh, carbohydrates are 10. Some days at changed a little bit more where my fats are more like 20% of my calories and my carbohydrates are at 30. Mm. It really just depends. The hardest part for me was actually kind of controlling a little bit more on the weekends because I actually haven't had, I stopped sweets. So okay. no more cookies. I haven't had cookies. In it's life. hard when you have cookies. Oh, yes. oh my God. <laughs> got cookies business, isn't it? Oh, oh, shit. <laughs> You're making it, but you can't eat it. Oh, man. I, I wanted to so bad. I, like, I can just have a cookie and it's like, oh, it's fine. I can, I can track that shit. And well, drug dealers aren't supposed to have their. Yeah, don't use your own product, bro. Man, yeah. it was it was tough. It was it was it was a little tough at first. But my. The cravings that I did get were so minute and they were super fast. I'd be like, damn, I want a cookie. Now I'm good. Yeah. Oh, it was like, it was was like, it was, it would just die off really quick. But controlling what I eat, how much I eat, tracking my shit. And then also, I literally planned what I was going to eat the night before. So I know exactly where I'm at. So I was really strategic about like, okay, if I have this and this and this and this, okay, where am I at? I need to add something or I need to take something away. So I was a little obsessive about it. Okay. Unfortunately. I didn't enjoy it. I don't enjoy it. But at the same time, it kind of taught me like it's cool to kind of dial things back, mm-hmm. dial into something just short term and kind of work with that. Yeah. So I was a little, I was actually aggressive for the past five weeks in terms of like monitoring my weight. Shows you the dedication that it takes to be a, a full-time athlete too. Yes. Right. I think it's easy to like work out and eat whatever the hell you want. Most people do that anyway. Yeah, yeah. Let's general population. That's what they're doing emotionally, mentally. They work out so they don't feel guilty about eating. I mean, that's. I think that's the driving factor. You know, people want to work out because they want to look good, but I think a lot of people work out so they don't feel so guilty about eating that cookie or having that ice cream or drinking the you know five margaritas and six beers, right? Yeah. So I think it's that trade off. Yeah, absolutely. And so, like, that's what I mean. Like, I the the process. I appreciate the process because mm-hmm. it put me back in, actually it put me in a client's shoes is the way mm. I see it. It put me in a client's shoes, not from not being the coach. So me being my own client, I was on it. But like, I also know that my dedication is probably a little bit higher than the average person to a degree because I was working towards something specifically. Yeah. Mm. But if I wasn't, I wouldn't do it. Honestly, like I don't care. Like yeah. I'm just going to eat how I usually eat. I can still maintain my body mass and whatever the case is, and it's fine. But I think that aspect of when you're training for something or you're putting 
effort and time in towards a particular event, that's when people mm-hmm. tend to dial things in a little bit more. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to do it, you're going to go all in. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't like halfway doing shit. Like, I want to make sure I can do the best. Well, yeah, because, I mean, this is, yeah, you don't want to show up and and really be like, well, that was a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, what's the point? Right. Right? I mean, I, I assume you're, so are you looking to set PRs this weekend? I mean. I think I could set a squat PR. I'm hoping to. Oh, um, what are you, okay. Well, I'm hoping, the question is, what is that? I'm hoping I can get 615. Nice. If I can get 615 on my squat, mm-hmm. happy. Okay. My bench sucks. Because I had just don't practice, I haven't practiced bench all that much for quite some time. Okay. And so if I can hit 418 or 422, somewhere around there. Okay. Deadlift. That's where it that's, gets yeah, that's interesting. Right. So oh, I really? think I think I'll do well, but I'm choosing to do conventional. I'm not do, I'm not doing sumo. Okay. Okay. Just, just for this competition. Okay. So I just want to see how well I do. Okay. I'd hope I can get 700 with conventional, 700 plus. I program for 710. Okay. But we'll see. We'll see. I hope I can manage to get a seven over 1,700 total, which would be over 60 pounds more than I did when I competed last. And I was also 20. Were you heavier? Five, about 20 pounds heavier. Okay. 20, 25 pounds. Oh, heavier. shit. Really? Oh, that's significant. Yeah. Wow. When's the last time that you actually did all three lifts in one day? Long time. So Long time. Because that's another factor there. Yeah. And so... <laughs> that is the other aspect I'm like planning for mm-hmm. is what I'm going to do in between lifts. Cause you basically get the competition takes course roughly over about five to six hours okay. of actual lifting. So that's a long that's time. A lot, yeah. a lot of time. But the in between kind of eating, snacking on something in between mm-hmm. and making sure that I'm like actually like relaxing enough to kind of let my body and system kind of calm down a little bit before mm-hmm. going to the next lift. Yeah. That's going to be the thing. But as long as I don't fail, Anything, yeah. I'll be fine. If I fail my squat, more than likely, I'm probably going to have a rougher time going into going throughout the competition. Mm. But if I stay slightly reserved, if anything, I'll probably be a little bit more reserved on my bench press. Mm-hmm. Then I'll, I think I'll be fine to perform and do do well overall. Yeah, because if there's if there's one lift out of three that you can kind of sacrifice benches it because the deadlift and the and the squat have just that those those tissue lines are good. You don't want to. They don't overtax. Yeah. yeah. Right. Once so you're done, you're done. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you fail on the squat, then the deadlift is not going to go very well. Yeah. So that's a big thing. You fell on bench. Ah, oh, you'll be okay. You'll recover. It'll be fine. Yeah. Is there is there a specific order that they have you do it? I mean, I've never because I've never been to a powerlifting meet. So it's squat, bench, and dead. If you're doing a full meet. Okay. So squat first, bench, then deadlift. Okay. Got it. And so. You get your, you know, you get your three attempts mm-hmm. and it depends on, then you might go fast depending on how many lifters are your flight. flight. Yeah. So that's the other aspect I'm hoping doesn't kind of trip me up Yeah. because I saw how many competitors there are. Oh, so you get a, you know how going in, how many you have. Yeah. So there's, okay. so there's, I believe about 55 competitors going to that competition, Okay. but there's more women than men in this competition. Mm. Oh, wow. And there's only three other people in my weight class that I'm going to be competing in. Okay. But a lot of the other lifters are in a lower upper weight classes. So I don't know where I'm going to end up being in terms of like relative numbers because they try to keep all the lifters in the bracket. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. Interesting. And they're only using one stage. No. No. Uh, so they'll, they'll typically go with two. Oh, okay. Two cool. Okay. Platforms sometimes. Okay. Um, I know with this one, it's, I believe it's two, two monoliths. Okay. So it's going to be two the monoliths, the bench, and then the deadlift platform. Okay. Yeah. Well, fantastic. Hey, man. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm looking I'm forward to hearing your results. Yeah, man. Yeah. I'll uh, make sure to get some videos. Are you wearing the suit, the bodysuit, and the, I mean, I... Uh, I'm a unequipped lifter. So it's just a singlet. See, and that's and that's another facet of of going into these power events mm-hmm. is that is that aspect. Yes, because the suit. If for people that don't know, those suits help Hard. a lot. To I mean, a lot, like a lot. If you guys want to have like a little bit of context, if you're wearing a suit and you're doing it properly, you can add anywhere between like fifty to like hundred and fifty pounds or whatever lift you're doing. Yes. They help if a not, lot. Even more. Oh, you need to put that suit oh, on. You need other, you need other people. You need <laughs> other people to put it on. Like you can't <laughs> you nobody can't, yeah. puts the shit on nope. or takes it off by themselves. No, yeah. They have to have 
like people assisting. Dang. And I've seen people get in a suit and have people step on them. Yes. It's work to pull yeah. up. If you're helping somebody put a suit on, you're going to work out. Yes. You are getting a fuck. Like, I mean, uh, yeah. I know. I've seen. Yeah. You're like, you're seen. the person is like. Yeah. They're, they're straining. Yeah. And it's like, and it's tight. It's meant to be oh, yeah. tight. Like, and if that, that's what I mean. Like, if you don't know how to use a suit. Yeah. You're not really going to get that much benefit out of it. But like the people who are really, really proficient at using that suit, those are the people that are, you know, dead, you know, deadlifting 900 plus pounds yeah. or benching 800 plus, which is impressive regardless. So I think. Oh, you no, know, it is. It yeah. is. Yeah. Even with the suit. Even with uh, the suit. Yeah. I mean, it, your ability to, and I think we lose focus on that sometimes is, you know, we do see people do like a small range rep, right? Yeah. And people will knock it. In all honesty, I used to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because I was more of that hardcore, like, no, you need the whole fucking lift. Yes. And yeah. so, yeah, I used to rip on people that would be like, they would do the mini rep, and I'd be like, what the fuck? That's not a fucking rep. Yeah. But I lost perspective on understanding that that person still picked that weight up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You still unracked 800 pounds yeah. put on your back. You yeah. still unracked 800 pounds. Because think about if if you tried to do a quarter squat with 800 pounds. I would, would crush. Yeah, I would get crushed. That's some hard shit to do. It is. Yeah. That perspective of like kind of understanding like what goes into it, it kind of changes how you view things a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it's still like, this is like so much on a block pool. Like there's so many lifters now that are deadlifting like 900 plus, you know, like you got like Jamal Browner mm-hmm. and he's a, she's a sumo deadlifter. This, this dude deadlifts over 900 pounds and it looks flawless. Actually, I think he deadlifted over a thousand pounds from the floor and that's impressive as shit. But like, but there's people who still do movements like that or practice certain parts of the movement where, yeah, it's a lot heavier and sure they're not doing a full rep, but they're still practicing ranges that either they're not strong at or as strong at or things mm. that they can improve on. Yeah, still a thousand pounds in your hands. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you're still holding that. You're still picking it up off the floor. Yeah. I mean, you're in the point zero 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 one percent of the population mm-hmm. that can even fathom even trying that. Yeah. Most people don't even know what a thousand pound looks like on a bar, which it looks Gnarly. Oh, dude, <laughs> it's a, right. It is impressive yeah. to see that much weight on a bar. It's like the bar is doing a bone area. Yeah, and yeah, it's, 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 it is. It's, it's impressive to see the flex of the bar. Yeah, because you see so much like oscillation for like explosive lifters. Yeah. It's you got to account for that, but like that flex and like they don't start to deadlift until basically they're about where their knees are. That's just how much flex is in the damn bar. Yeah, it is it's impressive. So yeah. ridiculous. It's kind of funny because the old powerhouse gym logo was that, right? Yes. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because that's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it was a brand, you know, as a brand label, right? Mm-hmm. And it was very cartoony until you go to these events and you go, oh, there's some serious flex in those bars. Oh, yeah. Like you're oh, like, yeah. oh, shit. And when they lift it up, like you see the boom, 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 boom. And you see the oscillation in the bar and you're like, that's metal. Yes. That's, that's, steel <laughs> and that steel is going boom 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 it's so, so gnarly <laughs> it's, crazy. it's so gnarly yeah it's so gnarly it is impressive shit yeah so that thousand pounds you know once you get to the top man that's that's turning into i don't even know because that flex there's that little bit of down pull yeah that's like even like that's why they have specific bars for like mm-hmm. certain lifts like the squat bar you can't there's a there's specifically a squat bar mm-hmm. so there is no flex there is yeah. no oscillation because that oscillation you don't want that. The yeah. oh, fuck, you, yeah. <laughs> That's it's over. It's so over. You, you yeah. need a stiff. Like need you a want stiff home solid. Yeah, that's very true. That's a great aspect. Yeah. You know, and that's I think people that aren't into it, they don't understand the difference in the quality of the bar. Yeah. The bar that you're using. You know, and so when you I think most people when they see a barbell, they think a barbell's a barbell. Mm-hmm. What's well, the difference? Yeah. But yeah, the tensile strength of each bar is different. Yes. And, and it's funny because you see the even just a generic bar that you would buy. In the store, I mean, or whatever, online. I mean, it's still 1,500 pounds tested, right? Yes. I mean, how many people are ever going to come close to right. trying to put 1,500 pounds on a bar, right? It's just not going to happen. If that does happen, I hope I'm alive to see that shit. Yeah, 1,500 pounds <laughs> on a bar? Yeah, like, that's crazy <laughs> shit, yeah. right? So, I mean, because even the strongest people that we that we know, that's not even coming mm-hmm. close. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember the first time I saw, what's his name, try to bench press 1,000 plus Was it in up? Vegas. Uh, he tore his pec actually on the second lift. Shit, I can't Not remember Ryan his name. Canelli. You're talking no, about no. Uh, this is back the, in 07. 
06, 07. I know exactly what you're talking about. The, um, the name escapes you. Yeah, but yeah. It, I, I, dude, I was there. I saw his left arm just kaboom. Scott Mendelson? Yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah he yeah. came out and, you know, he was he was successful on the first thousand pound. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, the guy is holding a thousand pounds over his chest. That's funny. In a supine position. <laughs> so he got that. Mm-hmm. And then he went to do, to, ex, you know, extend the record. And then I don't know if it was just because it was a little too much load, if it was just that precipice that he needed that was a little too much, or if it wasn't, or if it was just not not enough time between lifts. Yeah. Right. Maybe or maybe it was too much time before between lifts, right? right. But yeah, the second one just boom, the arm. I was like, oh shit. I was like, oh damn. That's that's some terrifying shit, man. Like I could not imagine getting trapped into that much weight. Oh yeah, yeah. Especially in the bench press. Yeah. Like oh my god. That's- What's crazy is you you got like six spotters. Yes. Yes, they got so many food. <laughs> and you better hope that everybody can actually lift that shit too. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. That's the thing. So even when you're at that weight, you're it's like you said, you gotta pick your spotters wisely. Yes. I mean you're not picking Joe Geeky guy that can only live let's struggling to pick up two hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. Like you want a guy that's like a big a strong big strong person. person. Yeah. That can react fast enough and yes. And carry that weight. And so, yeah, there's quite a few spotters on the stage. Because yeah. the last thing you want is a spotter that can't hold up their end of the bargain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. well, good luck to you this weekend, man. I Thank hope you, you kill it, bro. Like, I'm looking forward to hearing your reports back, man. Yeah. And so, well, are they going to video? It? Are they going to video that stuff? Are they going to put it online? Um, I don't know if they're going to put it online. Uh, Land will be there, so she'll record it. Okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I wonder nowadays. I mean, shit. Sometimes I would think you would want to kind of stream these. Some things. of them do. Yeah, some right. Some, some yeah. Bigger ones do. I mean, shit. I'd pay twenty bucks or whatever to stream that and see what's. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen. I've gone to a power, you know, powerlifting contest. It's yeah. been probably. I think the last one I went to was up at what's his name's place up in Mountain View. That's the one I did at uh, Dan Green. Dan Green. I was at the Boss of Bosses. Oh yeah, yeah. That, oh, okay. I think that was the first one. I think I might have been. Oh, first, shoot, I may have seen you before I ever knew you. Then probably, probably. Oh yeah, because I think that was the one I was at. Oh, dude, yeah. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I think that was the last one I went to. Was okay. Was about yeah, seven eight years ago. So yeah, yeah so I think. So, holy shit. <laughs> Yeah, time flies by. Yeah, time flies by. Right. So yeah, I probably saw him and went, "What the? F-? That's a strong mother." Yeah, you know, you know. <laughs> and Ray saw you. Like, Why is that short? <laughs> that short little dude doing here? He yeah. So, well, thank you for coming on, man. And until next episode, be good to each other. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and whatever platform you're on, either Apple, iTunes, or Spotify, please, if you could leave a review, we'd appreciate that. If you have any questions that we can answer for you, be sure to leave those in the comments also. If you're looking for more information on our education, our products, please go to www.stickmobility.com. And also hit that subscribe button to that YouTube channel. And don't forget our live Instagram classes three times a week. If you want to join in, grab your sticks and hit that 45-minute class class.